0: Welcome back to the Deep AIX podcast. This is podcast number four. I'm Ashley, I'm here with Andres. Uh, today, we're talking about radical open-mindedness. So I'll hand it over to you to give us okay. the introduction. Hello.
1: <laughs> yeah, thanks. Uh, yeah, we came up with the topic because, um, because mainly we find that uh, very often we are just thinking about things in our head. I mean, not, not we as people, but actually Ashley and myself. And then, uh, like, you can go on in your head about how amazing things and ideas are for a very long time. And then, when you try them out, it's like um, not true, or the experiment fails. And, and then, like, you know, we thought it's a good idea to talk about open-mindedness to put it in our head that we need to stay open-minded and that we shouldn't like have any preconceived like obviously you try to predict what products are going to work or what ideas are going to work but uh, I mean otherwise you know you could you know otherwise why would you think about it but just to be clear that at best you have like probably a 10% chance to get it right like maybe then there's like, you know, or like I don't know what the actual chance is, but like if you have an idea of a product or whatever it is, and you try it out, I don't think it's much more than 10 or 20% that you can actually predict it with accuracy. So there's a lot of luck involved. And if you like, it's very easy to wake up in the morning and have an amazing idea and think this is like so amazing and to fall in love with it. And then to like keep Working and working and working, and then five months down the line, you push out the idea, and then like nobody buys it because, or nobody's interested, or it's just another app on the Google Play and I, I, Apple Apple. Uh, what's it called? High store? App, store. I, app, app Store. App store. store, yeah. On the App Store. So, anyway, that was I think that's why we came up with it, and, uh, and then there's other aspects, right? Like, as things that we like to think about and things we don't like to think about like you know there's things we like to do and then there's things we have to do and very often we bullshit ourselves into like doing the things that we really want to do but that we not necessarily have to do like you know like especially with something like cold calling okay I'm very used to it from my past but I think even with cold, especially with cold calling, if you're not used to it by cold calling, i meaning, I mean, like approaching people that you've never talked to and convincing them to basically do something with you or for you or by product, something of you cooperate, yeah. whatever it is. I mean, if you don't do this very often, it's, it's like psychologically difficult, especially the closer you get to picking up the phone or in person talking to people at events and stuff you know it's hard and but and we avoid it so we retre- retreat back into our little yeah. software developer mind and all oh, let me just write another piece of code and but you know probably most guys like they're really good at writing software and you can even be amazing at com- coming up with ideas but if you don't get distribution it's just another shitty app on the app store so that's my value code. yeah Need to cold call, uh, yeah. So need to cold call, and so like the radical honesty or truth about that is, is painful. And pe- picking up the phone, like last week I wrote, I think a hundred emails to Amazon, Walmart, and other kind of executives, and I mean the the return rate is very low. So you have to deal with rejection. It's it's not pleasant. But to be a good entrepreneur, you have to be a master salesperson, like. Anyway, I'll hand it back over, but, like, just the last thing is, like, who's amazing at this? Actually, Peter Thiel talked about it in some talk, and I forgot which one. Is like, you know, Peter Thiel said, I don't know a single guy who is building amazing companies who is not a real master at sales. And, like, look at Elon Musk, like, the free publicity he gets with his SpaceX launches, launching, like, Teslas into space to get, like, the money shots and, like, you know doing things superlatives and precedents always gets a lot of attraction. Doing that he can basically he never had to do a single piece of marketing for Tesla, right? Not a single dollar spent. I compare that to like GM, who like has to hire Eminem to get out uh, you know, or, or was it Fiat Chrysler, I think Chrysler, to get out like an advert doing Super Bowl, you know, paying probably Eminem 10, 20, 30 million, you know. He gets more marketing for free using just his persona, 35 million on Instagram and all of that stuff. And I don't know how I got there, but um, what I'm trying to say is like the sales part is really important. Even if you're amazing at producing shit, like sales part is really important. And if you can't do the sales, which is the hard bit, because you either introvert or extrovert or something like that, like some stereotypical psychology profile, if you can't do the sales part. You'll never get the app off the ground. No. And that's radical honesty or radical. What do we say? What do we call it?
0: Open mindedness, radical, radical
1: open mindedness, like to like be honest, like I'm shit at sales, I'm shit at software and I need to do it. Like, I think that's why we started this podcast.
0: Yeah, it, it directly applies to what we're doing every day. And um but it also applies like to everything else you do in your life as well. So I think it's a universal topic, but I think it's something that most people struggle to do. Most people don't even do, to be honest. Even if you take you apply it to just like working on these types of businesses or these ideas, but can also be applied to other parts of their life. They're not they're like operating with all the stuff you said, like all the biases, uh, doing things, they the liking factor versus like what they don't like. Um, it's probably one of the most important things you can do because I think it's like the way to learn as well, right? You think of all the things that we're learning all the time. We're having to constantly challenge old. Uh, it's the, In that Moonshots book, it covered it a lot, right? Like challenging old programmings in your brain and ripping them away and putting new ones. That's the same thing. It's like, being super open-minded to everything and having no preconceptions and, and what you're talking about, it applies, but it also applies to like loads of other stuff as well. Um, and we all do it. We all do it, uh, all the time. It's natural. Yeah. Um, it's very, very natural, I think. But I think if you constantly keep doing it, I think it's really good for you because it means you also are honest with yourself about <laughs> everything else. Uh, so you live, you live better. I think. I think it's harder at the beginning, but it's better long term for everyone. You can be happier as well. I think this applies like outside of business as well. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are, you know, doing things they shouldn't do, and they know they know they're doing them as well, but they're not being yeah. open to it. Are stuck in their ways. So yeah,
1: I think I, I don't know where I read this or what did where did I get this from? I, I, I don't want to go off topic, but I think. I think that uh, neuroscientists, they say that, you know, and it kind of makes sense that everybody's hallucinating their reality. Yes. Like, I, I kind of see reality like this. Like, you know, we don't, everybody sees reality differently. Like everybody has their own reality. And I mean, we all have similar biases, but you don't really see the world the same way I see the world. Like, even though we're looking at the same thing, we're looking at it uh, from a different perspective. So, But it's actually obviously kind of, I mean, okay, then you can get really esoteric and say there's like some quantum entanglement and the way you look at things changes the, way the things you look at and kind of like Heisenberg theories and stuff. But at the end of the day, I think there's one like you know reality and we all interpret it in different ways. And we all have our own biases and um, if you if you don't uh, if you don't accept that you're looking at it with a bias then you're buying your own shit <laughs> when you start yeah. buying your own shit then like it's difficult to improve because you keep it's making really the same difficult
0: mistakes. yeah it's really difficult to improve yeah 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 i agree i agree i think it's uh i think you constantly got a put yourself in that difficult situation. And another example of practicing that is um outside of business and what we do is um is something like uh jujitsu or some other type of martial art that's like actually works. Cause you just, you know, you literally have to face your bullshit every time you go to the gym. <laughs> and all, all your all you know, yeah. you get to see who you truly are and you also you truly find your weaknesses because you know, you get beaten. It's very, it's very Emotionally clear, you know. It's like can't a super, you can't deny. You can't intellectualise it. It's very <laughs> a quick feedback loop. And then, and then you say, "What did I do wrong?" <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, um, uh, yeah you, you know. And then you have to ask the question, "What did I do wrong?" And then someone says, "Well, you, you know, you gave me your neck at this point, and I choked you out. Like, well, don't do that. Put your chin down, or or push yeah. me away, or do something, whatever. Or you." You were leading forward with your chin when you were boxing or you know whatever and and then you don't do it next time then you're like oh okay i've got a bit better but if you just bullshit yourself and wear a black belt and you're fat and you do some martial art that doesn't work then uh you know then you get into a real situation and you get shocked there's all these videos yeah. online of these like chinese masters fighting mma guys <laughs> they're like they're shocked they're like i thought the thought this worked. And it's because they've done what you said They've like stayed in this mindset for 30 years and they're trapped. So yeah, yeah,
1: Yeah, I think I think
0: think a lot more people do this than we think about because we think about it all the time and constantly try and challenge our beliefs. But like, I think the majority of people are in that bubble. I think if you give them a slap, they're quite shocked about like how, how stuck they are in their ways and how much they haven't changed. Probably. Yeah.
1: They're probably most of them are in this thing. I mean, I mean the guys that are really good at this kind of stuff is like, uh, like Munger and Buffett from Berkshire Hathaway. But They have been trying to think about this all their lives, how to like get around psychological biases and you know, not getting stuck in their old ways. And, and they and like, basically the, these guys are constantly thinking about like how the human brain works and you know, what, what they are, you know, subject to which biases cause in investing it's as brutal as in anything else because yeah, yeah. You can like buy into this. I, like investing is very much like this or like I'll buy this crazy technology and la la la, but you get it wrong all the time and you lose. Right. So hundred percent. Investing, like you need to be extremely like rational. I think that's what they also say. The most important difference between us and others is we're more rational. I, I get, rational basically means looking at that world with less bias
0: <laughs> and so, no emotion. Yeah.
1: And no, yeah, no emotion, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, actually, it's quite funny if you watch the uh, the Alpha Go documentary. Of Google, how Google beat Lisa Dahl in that Asian game called Go with the black and white pieces. I just watched it back the other day. And, like, to you, it feels like, as a human, it feels really like normal, like, oh, that's typical. But if you watch it, and I watched it from that perspective at some point, if you watch it from the perspective of a machine, like, we look pathetic because it's so portrayed so emotionally. Like, oh, amazing. And, and the machine doesn't give a shit. The machine just kills it, you know? Like, it's so pathetic how emotional we are. And how everything, like, oh, I hope he wins. And then he, like, almost cries and goes out, has to smoke a cigarette. And the machine is, like, come on, it's man. It's, another. Yeah. Let's get to business. Yeah. Like, it's, it's quite scary how emotional. And that's, like, the grand master of one of the most advanced games you can play, you know? far more advanced than
0: chess, yeah,
1: yeah. You would expect that person at least to be not emotional, but like, you know, I think, uh, I mean, I do not say you need to become like a machine, but you need to be aware. Like I have this problem, like probably I get like software envy or something that I feel like I need to brush up on all my software shit all of the time but it's like a losing battle i'm not ever going to be as good as ashley in certain parts of software so i have to be careful that i don't feel like inadequate and try to make up for software but keep my money my mind on the money right like you don't need to get good at software you need to get good at what you're trying to accomplish
0: yes like, yeah
1: so i mean some of it is software but i don't need to understand everything right
0: no no, not at all. You've got to be enough to be dangerous and get stuff done. And, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. I think, uh, yeah, I guess that's comparing yourself against how you were yesterday instead of comparing yourself against someone else. Right. And that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. Being truly honest. Um, have you improved or not? And what do you need to improve on? And, uh, yep. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think this stuff's really important. I think if more people did this, I think they would get, they would get better at a lot of things in their life. Um, I think the, the quote I heard from, I think it was, I don't know if it was Jocko, the Navy SEAL. It was one of those guys. And they basically said, what you have to do is you have to realize that in most cases you fucked up and it was your mistake because you made some misstep or you misanalyze something or whether you call that bias or whatever, then you need to look at that honestly. And then you say, right, how do I fix it? And then apply the fix and however long that takes, whatever it is in your life or if it's in whatever, applying it to business, anything, but he said just that approach, just constantly doing that. So most people don't want to do it. They do it a little bit or they do it when they're younger, but you've got to constantly do it and uh, you have yeah. to admit that. And then that's empowering because it gives you agency, right? It gives you control because you control over what you want to do instead of like, uh, I don't know, having hopelessness or getting pissed off about things or whatever you say, well, no, I can change it or, or, or not. Or you drop something and move on to something else that can be anything. You know? Yeah.
1: I um, think you're good at that. You're, you're one of the best people that I, I mean, everybody has strengths and weaknesses, but you're one of the best people. And it could be bad as well, but to like, of course, move on. I think it's a software thing, right? Like to not like, I'm not saying give up, but I'm saying move on. If you know what I mean? Like to like, you know, not like obsess Not dwell it. on it, not dwell it. on something. Let's try it different. Let's try it different. I think that's like a software thing. Like rather than like dwelling too much on one approach, let's just fix it in one way or another. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's not necessarily like it's not necessarily what and it's kind of opposite what people do in academia. Cause they're kind of like, I've these are the tools that we use. If you don't use these tools, you don't get published. So let me try to press this problem into this tool set to fix it. And I need to find a way. And that then leads to the man with the hammer syndrome where everything looks like a nail or, or like you're trying to like you, you or you data you data mine as much as you can to make something work until you find a pattern, but then that's like basically only specific to like this data set and it doesn't work out of sample or new data. So you know, you could say you're also data mining, right? Because you can find models until it fits the data to some degree. But but I think in business, it definitely, I, I, I don't know, I come back to business. But if you want to accomplish something, then it's very important to let go of ideas and try new things. I'm a little bit more on, I'm going to keep going <laughs> until until that works. And I'm also not as good in software, but I'm not as willing to like change as fast, I think. Which is probably from part character, part education, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. I think that's why it's good to have people you work with because you can course correct each other. Um, You know, I probably go too much that way. Um, And then if you do, then it kind of balances out, you know? Um, Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: I think it's, it's important. And also the people you're around, you know, in your life, the five people you're around, what are they like? What do they think about these things? How do they, do they make you better? Do they help? They they call you out on your bullshit or not, or do they just make you feel good? You know, <laughs> oh, do they just make you
1: feel bad to like? Uh, or to
0: like yeah, that's common. that's true as well. That's true yeah. as well. There's a dichotomy there, so it's like it has to be with the right mindset, the right for your good, not to just yeah, exactly. Yeah, I agree with that as well.
1: Yeah, that's uh, I mean probably hierarchy. I would say feel bad are the worst. Feel good are just useless. Let's just call them. Like social friends, and then there's people that tell you it's shit. But this is why. Yes, those are the people you really want. Right? Yeah,
0: yeah, which is which is what I've always valued about you. You've never uh, you never mince your words, so it's always it's yeah. always good.
1: I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yes. Yeah, it's not always good, but it's definitely good if you want to make progress. It doesn't always make you the best, you know socially adapted person. Not good yeah, at but, a different uh, person I, I, I don't I don't
0: <laughs> I don't really like people anyway, so it's fine.
1: Yeah, okay that's, that's yeah I, I think maybe a couple books that are good on this is um I think Ray Dalio's Principles is extremely good on this.
0: Uh, honestly I, I haven't I haven't read that and I should have read it by now. Why is it good? Why is it good?
1: Yeah, because he's like, this is like his main, uh, his main idea is that, um, you know, you need to uh, like pain plus reflection equals progress is his formula. I mean, and by the way, like Ray Dalio is uh, whatever, 20 billion, the most, uh, well-known hedge fund manager in the world right he built bridgewater associates I from mean, scratch from, from nothing scratch. Yet. like and yeah. he went bankrupt several times live on tv making predictions in the wrong direction and i think like he's he's one of the best business people in the world and He kind of like is a macro guy, so he like predicts big macro trends like credit and exchange rates and, you know, supply and demand kind of things. But anyway, the big thing is that he like designs the machine and he's talking about what it takes to get better. So he breaks this machine up into different parts. Like, you know, uh, I would be, I can't probably say every single part now, but one of it is like, you know, the analysis, and then one is like design of the solution, and then, you know, f- taking on feedback, and like how that machine works, and making it better, and and, and how to, um, like, realize your strengths and weaknesses, and how to build a team, like, you know, of, I see his main idea is that you want to build a team of very smart people with different um, sort of characters, and then take all of these ideas that they have on board and then kind of like value those ideas differently until you get to the ground truth of the matter. And, um, and then turning that into like a process, how to make that better and better. He's kind of acknowledging that we all have blind spots and that everybody has a different perspective and that you should listen to as many people as you can. And then, you know, come to like the truth over time by trial and error, instead of like one person stating their opinion with all their blind spots, right? Absolutely. So I think that's a very uh, very good approach. Acknowledging that, you know, this is just an idea. It's not the truth. Like you have to kind of come to the truth with like talking to people and figuring it out. Anyway, I think that's a good book. Um, I don't know, Choco's book is probably good.
0: I think Choco's I think book, that's what I was gonna say. Extreme yeah. Ownership, yeah, it's, it's fantastic for this. He just has, um, uh, uh, he has like three things in the book, you can read the whole thing, but he has this thing called detach. So he said, whenever you look at any situation, he said, first, the first thing you have to do is detach yourself which if you think about it from a deeper perspective, it's like removing ego and removing all these other things. But he just, in a military perspective, he says, detach, then prioritize, and then execute. And that's it. So he said, like, he has this thing called decentralized command where he says people can make executive decisions about operations by themselves without having to talk to me, but they need a framework. And he says when they're in a difficult situation, like literally in a, you know, a firefight, he Mm said they have to detach then they have to prioritize. So they they look at what's going on in the situation and then they have to execute on the highest priority. Because he said, otherwise, if you don't do that, you get overwhelmed because maybe you're fighting against 10 people at once. You have to say, well, what is the highest risk? Take them first. But if you apply it to like another situation, like, oh, there's a bunch of people been harmed and I have to figure out who to look after, you have to prioritize, well, who's going to survive first? I'll look after them first. Or you can apply it in business. And um, it's a really simple framework. And although he like oversimplifies things, he he trains executives from all over the world and they use the exact same stuff. And I think it's really good. Detach, prioritize, execute. I think if you, you can't just do that. It's more sophisticated than that. But I think that's a really good way of looking at a lot of things. And obviously the whole premise of the book is it's your fault. (laughs) It's extreme ownership, uh, which I think is useful. It gives you agency, it gives you control.
1: Yeah, I think that's good. I haven't read that book, but I know Choco, but I need to read that book as well. Um, you would like it. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, this, this extreme ownership, I, I basically, I think, anyway, we don't want to make the call too long, but I think this extreme ownership ownership is very good because like the worst thing I think you can do is like self pity. Anyway, this is back to Munger and Buffett. Like there's another very good like essay, or even talk is called uh human misjudgment by manga where he talks about like several biases. And anyway, I, from my studies, I know these, but like he talks about them in a very implied sense and it's a good, very good talk. But like one of the things he says is like, um and there's this is there's this other book by Viktor Frankl about like Man, something I forgot the name. Anyway, the main point I'm trying to make is that taking full ownership is like the opposite of like self pity. Like a lot of people are just like, sort of like in self or I don't know the English word wallowing in their self pity. Like oh my life is so hard and I didn't have these chances and all of that, and that's a very difficult and dangerous thing to do because self pity it's very close to paranoia and paranoia is like a psychological, you know, condition that's extremely hard to reverse. Once you're paranoid, you like kind of, you stay, stay a paranoid, paranoid
0: person. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. So you have to actively train yourself out of self pity because once you go down that path and like, it's your parents fault and no, it's the government's fault and everybody's fault. Then you're like, stagnating and you're, once you're, you're stagnating, removing agency
0: removing agency yeah, and you're yourself. putting
1: it away and you're kind of becoming the victim and then you can't change and you can't learn so self-pity is very dangerous and you have to actively like work against it and i really mean it in that way like you have to be actively positive like you have to tell yourself no it's not true i'm not disempowered i have power i can change it i'm already amazing i did all these things it's my fault. What did I do wrong? I should take ownership. And you have to actually do this actively because it's like, if you really watch your thoughts, it's like incredible how negative and how much self-pity you go through. If you really truly like, watch your thoughts. Like, why am I saying this shit? Like in the shower, like, oh, I don't know, is this good what we're doing? What am I, what am I thinking it's business? It's like, it's not going, I haven't made any sales. Like you have to kind of like work against it actively. But if you don't, like you get negative. If you get negative, <laughs> it's bad. I think being positive is probably the most important thing. More important than even like having Redaglio and Choco's principles. But if you're like in a tough situation in war and you make up your mind, like I'm fucked, like I'm going to die here. You're going to die.
0: Yeah, 100%. Like,
1: you're going to die. You need to like Yeah, you need to like believe that you can get out of it. Anyway, for me, that's big because I can get very negative. (laughs) I think,
0: I I think, I think we're all, I think we're all susceptible to it. I think one way of testing it is just do it for 24 hours. Just watch your thoughts for 24 hours and you'd be quite surprised. Look at them honestly and then try and be productive and you'd be surprised how much better you feel. Um, I'm still, I've been doing it actively for a long, I've been doing it for a long time. I'm a positive person, but like when we spoke about it a few months ago and I started doing it, like I noticeably feel better and noticeably, I mean, still hard. If you miss like a couple days where you don't do it, your that little monkey brain comes back. But
1: very fast. Yeah. 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 I actually, it's a little bit like fasting or giving up alcohol. Like yeah. It's amazing. Like when you fast, how much more energy you have and when you don't drink, how much clearer and how much more on point you are. Like you kind of have to train your mind like you train your body. You have to actively tell yourself that you're amazing and look at all these amazing things you did in your life, like like a show reel, like a hall of fame of the best moments, you know. Whatever yep. it is, like when I whatever closed this deal or I got this degree or like What like whatever like everybody has their own things and then you need to go through that all the time to remind yourself how amazing you are. If you don't, then yeah, like you and like you said, like you don't do it for two or three days, it creeps back up, like a like a devil. Like yeah, you
0: you think you think you're out of you think you're out of it you think you've stopped it. I mean, and and we're talking from the perspective of like I think you know very mentally well people who don't have chemical issues and loads of really terrible experiences in their life. But you imagine if you're one of those people that has genuinely has a problem in their brain or had like a terrible time and, you know, is, is, is kind of got these demons in their oh, head. They haven't yeah. dealt with. Yeah. Things like that. Like it's a whole other story for them. It's like they've got this weight constantly. And we're, we're talking purely from like two quite privileged people's perspective. So if it's hard hard for us, then what is it like for them? So it's really important that people do it.
1: Yeah, even what you just did is very positive because, like, that's basically gratefulness. Gratefulness is very empowering because you're like realizing, like, that's like you know negative, negative, negative visualization. Like the Stoics, even you know they used to do that. You think you're bad, and just imagine how much worse it could be. You could lose a leg. Your child could die. Anyway, if you want to read something really bad, read about like Charlie Munger's, like when he was in his 30s and his wife divorced him and he lost all his money and then his son was dying of leukemia at the same time. You know, like, oh, and he lost his eye as well. And he lost his eye all at the <laughs> same time. You know, you know, I mean, once you go through that and you stay happy, like, and then like 10, 20 years later, he's like a billionaire or something. Not that that makes up for all of that, but I think there's probably more important than anything, these kind of techniques. I agree. I agree.
0: And I think the people that we that we, that we we look to, that we uh, admire and respect, people like Elon and people like Jeff Bezos, I think the difference with them is, although they probably do that, I think they're also, they're just more cold. So they just look at things more factually. So they don't yeah. have to deal with the, they're not dealing with that other stuff because they're just looking at it rationally. Like you see the way Elon talks the way he thinks. You can see he's just like, but why wouldn't we try another rocket? Like or why yeah, wouldn't yeah. we do like, it? Like he doesn't he's not dealing with the yeah. Anyway, I think yeah. we I think we're good on that. I think I think that was uh uh it was good to cover that. Um
1: Yep. Yeah. Should sure. should
0: we should we go into the difficult question?
1: Yeah, I, I can ask you quickly first sure. one thing that you knew for sure that wasn't true in the past one thing you knew for sure that you thought this is for sure the case and it turned out not to be true and like that really held you back for a long time
0: um one thing i i thought was true but wasn't
1: could be like a piece of program or could be like an idea it could be anything you know
0: I think there's a couple of things that were definitely wrong that I should have realized a lot longer before. Uh, uh, the The biggest one, uh, the biggest one, is that you can do anything. That kind of quote that you can do anything. I think that's really dangerous for people. I think that causes a lot of harm. I think there's a lot of people who are like. They go the other way. They like listen a load of positive motivational stuff. It's like you can achieve anything that you put your mind to. It's like, well, yeah, there's, there is many things that you definitely could achieve, even, even though they're like, you know, crazy things, you know, like building rockets or whatever. But there is things that like just factually you just cannot do. Like I can't be Michael Jordan or I can't be, you know, there's like specific things that you just, that stuff, I don't know. I had some like really weird view before I started the last startup that I could literally do anything. And now I'm like, no, no, you can achieve many, many things and you can do incredible things. You put your mind to, you can't achieve anything, but I think that's dangerous. It's a dangerous way to think that. I think if you get into this whole kind of self-help stuff, you then start to believe and you start to get like this weird, uh, hypnosis where you, I don't know. You start to think you can literally do anything, which is, I think is super dangerous. Cause then you can think of an idea of business and have no factual basis of why it would work and you go and build it and then you waste uh, a bunch yeah. of time and money. So it's
1: you want to yeah. go close to the line of impossible, but never quite over, right? Cause there are actually things that are impossible. <laughs>
0: I think that's, I think that should be the question. Is it impossible? Like just based on first principles physics, yes or no. If it is impossible, like time travel is impossible, then, okay, then you say, okay, well, that's not possible. But if there is more than a 0% probability that it, you could do it, then then maybe it's still possible. Maybe it's worth doing. But I don't know. That that was probably the biggest thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then, and then I guess the, the other thing was like, just assuming that people, you know, if you build something great, people will care. And that's not the case. If you really want to build something like, uh, that, that people will come to, um, you need to do something like radical that will change the world or you need distribution. So th- those were the biggest points that I wish I'd have yeah, known 10 years makes ago. Sense. Yeah. Um, my question, funnily enough, is very similar but slightly different. Um, uh, so my question is, what is the one point of view that you still hold today that is an example of you not being open-minded? So it's something, you know, factually to not be true, but you still, you kind of know, but you're still, you've still got the opinion. I don't know if that makes sense. Uh,
1: So something that I know is not true, but I still do it.
0: You're still bullshitting yourself. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Ah, okay. Um,
0: maybe your ego or bias or yeah. Well, I uh, was, to I answer. mean, I w-
1: yeah, well, okay. It's good. Good point. I mean, I, I am still doing it because I think I was, I think I was, I was for a very long time thinking that I can be very good in investing and I did probably okay. But I don't know if I had done the number where I would have beaten like uh, the index, the, the index. <clears throat> especially also because when you invest like you you know the index you can be 100% invested and when you invest your own money you're not always 100% invested so like if you're 50% invested you need to kind of make double the return to get the same result doubling your return on the index is very it's very very tough like very very few people do that And, and like, you know, being honest about how much time I put in, you know, it's even less likely because you really need to put in like those 80 hours. And, um, you know, also being honest about how much I actually love this topic. I mean, you know, I got into this when I was like 17 after reading whatever this Robert Kiyosaki Rich Dad Poor Dad. And then I read like a lot of other books. But like at 17 maybe i got into it not for the love of the subject but for like the the idea of you know typical like oh you can just learn this and make money fast right like a lot of people go to samuel Leeds's things because they think this is a shortcut in life to like quit their shitty job and like earn like six figures by flipping two houses a year. and Yeah, they uh, don't
0: think about the amount of work that you have to put in. Yeah. You know, how much, yeah, exactly. It applies to everything.
1: And a lot of people buy our software on deal source. uh, And I know for a fact that they will either never open it or like unsign, uh, cancel it like sometime down the line, not too far, because then they'll be doing Bitcoin. And after that, they'll be doing oil trading. And after that, you know, <laughs> they'll be opening their own uh, hair salon because they saw their neighbor making like millions, opening 20 hair salons and all of a sudden they hairdresser. You know, like buying into that dream is is easy at 17, especially on a book that's built on like some leverage effect, you know, like kind of when you discover RE and you and you realize, oh, I can make like with 5,000 pounds, I can make like 50,000 pounds. It's very playing on your wishful thinking. And like, I think that dream then led me to a lot of other dreams. But like, the reality is that probably I'm not, you know, that person. Not probably, I'm not that person. I'm not sitting down and I don't, you know, get the... uh, Metaphorical, hard on reading twenty uh you know annual reports annual reports and yeah. news and trade magazines and uh, you know I don't like studying uh, demographical statistics and consumer transition probabilities between different products and Buffett did that since he was like a child that's you know one thing is falling in love with money. The other thing is doing something because you love that subject. And if I look back on when I started, like what I started when I was younger, it was more like technology and computers and like, basically money was a long ass distraction, you know, and now I still have some stuff in my portfolio, but I've started selling and I just say, Hey, I have, anyway, I have deep AI X and other things. So I want to do that. But B, like I'm not as good and I'm not putting in the hours, so I shouldn't expect to be as good. And no, it's,
0: it's kinda of dangerous, right? It's kinda of dangerous to uh to do it yeah. uh without the time. Yeah, then you're po- gonna make missteps.
1: It's BS. Like you're not gonna beat Gordon Ramsay in cooking by cooking two hours a day. And stock, <laughs> exactly. market, is, stock market is like a you know, it's like a zero sum game. There's winners and losers, and you're either one of the two. And, and if you go passive, then you're kind of making the guaranteed return. Anyway, so that's my, probably my biggest thing that I was still doing, bullshitting myself. You know, like, I don't know why the, this commitment bias, it's like you know, liking bias. Uh, it's, uh, it's also gambling. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. It's typical like, you Know conditioning like Skinner conditioning and you know wishful thinking, but rational thing is to just index and just yep. chuck. <laughs> and only took me 37 years to realize, so I'm <laughs> <lost>. <laughs> like well, I 20 think 20 years because I started when I was 17. Yeah,
0: but what, wasn't that? Wasn't that the original voice of uh, not even Buffett, of um, Benjamin Graham? Wasn't that I, I might be wrong? Wasn't that in the intelligent investor where he said, you write a contract yourself and you just dollar index. That yeah. basically means you buy, you buy the people who don't understand investing. It basically means you buy the index. The index is the top 500 valued companies in the stock market. And that has had the highest performance over the long term. And I think it said you just put in like a percentage of your money you make every month for like 40 years. And that will be everyone basically. And that was even in the intelligent investor, I think, which is well, 30 yeah. or something.
1: Yeah, he said that there's the dollar cost averaging thing, but I think he broke it into two people, the conservative and the That's enterprising it. investor. So he had a very statistical approach to investing. About like I, I don't even know whether you could, like with some kind of green blood strategy or some smart beta strategy, I don't know whether you can outperform the index in the long run. I don't know. I, I don't know. But what I know is that indexing is pretty good it's pretty tough to beat. So I'm not going to beat it, you know, over the long run. I don't know whether I did beat it or not because I got into it at maybe the right time. And then I lost the bunch and I made a bunch, God knows. But the truth is I don't deserve to be in there because I don't put in the hours. Yeah. So that's a very long answer to that question. I yeah. think
0: that makes sense. For if anyone does that, I wouldn't bother. I would just do what you said. Um, just put yeah. it into the index. And if you're scared about the market going up and down, just put in ten percent of your money you make every month into the market, and do that for forty years, and you'll
1: yeah
0: you'll you'll make more than any pension fund will ever make you by probably about fifty <laughs> x. <50X. laughs> um, yeah,
1: just look at the statistics. Like if you if you're like not. I mean honestly, it's,
0: it's so cheap now as well. It's so cheap, like you can buy all this stuff free now. There's no trading costs. you can get apps on your phone and they don't charge you any commission yeah uh, no 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 exchange rates No you can buy all this stuff so cheap and it's yeah, yeah what's the expense on it per year? It's like point zero three percent or something
1: insane point like two or something I think. It's very, very, very difficult to beat. Anyway, there's many reasons. Trust me. I mean, <laughs> the person that beats the index consistently over 30 years, very, very few, I think. I, there are people, but there are very few. And I'm not one of them because I don't put in the work. I don't deserve to manage my own money, let alone other people's money
0: no 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 you're spending time on innovation so how could you um, yeah
1: exactly yeah
0: okay do you have a quote um
1: yeah i have this one from mark twain it ain't what you don't know what gets you into trouble it's what you know for sure that just ain't so (laughs) yeah yeah that's great okay until next time okay see you next time Bye bye